Go ahead and have your seats, if you don't mind. I, I echo the, the sentiments uh, with Andrew that, that, that worship performs a number of, of different tasks. Uh, worship for us is a moment to just take a breath. It's, it's a moment as we, as we exit the, the hustle and bustle of life that as a family, as the spiritual family of God, we could, we could galvanize ourselves in, in this moment as we, we praise and as we honor God. We could come into this place and we could come into this space, and I, I don't necessarily just mean these, these four walls, but we, we come together and we communicate one to one another while we communicate to God. So as we take a moment just to pause and as we take a moment just to rest, we, we find rest in God, but we're also able to find rest in the arms of each other. Isn't it good that we could come together and we could worship God together? Isn't it good that we could come and we could be a shoulder for somebody to lean on and an air for somebody who just needs a a listening ear. Isn't it good that we could take a moment in our hurriedness and in our anxiety to just take a breath and say, thank you, God. I'm so grateful this morning to be here. You guys don't don't even know. But as is my custom, I always like to sing a song, but I I appreciate so much the, the worship that we had today. But if you, if you don't mind, I want to just, I just want to say a prayer before we, we get into our message for today. Would you bow with me? Father, as we come before your throne, we are so honored, we are so privileged to have this opportunity We give you thanks and we give you praise because we recognize you as the creator, the sustainer, our provider, the king of kings. You are God all by yourself. We thank you because as we look at your holiness, as we look at your character as we glimpse into who you are in your divine being. We thank you because you have made and created a way so that we who are flawed, we who are broken, we who are full and laden with sin could be called your sons and your daughters. Father, we thank you because we know that even though there are times that we, we go against your, your will, 
and we act in ways that are contrary to even the calling that you have placed upon us, you continue to extend unto each and every single one of us grace and mercy and love. Only, Father, that we would not take your grace for granted living in lives of sin, but we would be people who are so so gracious and so grateful for this love that you have given to us that we would devote our entire existence to loving you. Father, we thank you for this moment in time that we are able to, to spend time together, that we are able to sing and to pray and to give and now even to be encouraged from your word. Bless every single person that is under the sound of our voice. Bless every single word that will be spoken. Bless every heart and every ear that we will be able to hear and readily receive the things that you would have us to receive. Father, we love you. We thank you. We honor you. And even right now, we plead for your forgiveness. For this is our prayer in no other name but your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We all say, Amen. Amen. If what we think we know about the timing of the letter of First Peter is accurate, then Peter isn't only writing to a group of Christians that are already in the middle of dire persecution. But rather, he is also writing to prepare the current generation of believers to prepare themselves for something that was also coming on the horizon. At the beginning of the epistle, he not only reminds the brethren of who they are, and who they follow. But he gives what many consider to be general encouragement in godly living. He offers practical instructions that is valuable in their present moment, but will become invaluable in future chaos. Let me repeat that. He offers practical instructions that was valuable to them in their present circumstance. But this information and instruction will become the more invaluable in future times of chaos. In other words, he wants to encourage them to recognize how to lead and to live the best life possible as believers in a world that's already had and only going to get worse. I don't know who needs to hear this, but this world is already on a tra trajectory and it's not upwards, it's downwards. Things may improve at times, a little here and a little there in small increments, but this world that we are living in is in a downward spiral. 
Sure, we will make and we have made advancements in technology and medicine, etc. But tell me if we have gotten more grateful or more greedy as a collective species. Tell me honestly if as a people we've grown to love more or have we become as a species more selfish? Tell me honestly if the gap between our generations have closed or if the gap has continued to be widened. Don't we understand as, as far as politics is concerned, it's the same song and dance every time. It's people with power who have agendas who really don't care about unifying anything. But who's understanding or who understands that you don't need everyone. All you need is the masses. And so as we think about the reality of the world that we are living in, church, uh, the hope for mankind isn't in anything that man or this world could offer. No, no, no. For us, the hope for mankind is only in what heaven can and does offer. You understand, right? From heaven we get our help. From heaven we get our strength. From heaven we get our healing. From heaven we get our guidance. You understand, right? From, from heaven that's where we get our hope. From, from heaven that's where we get our Savior from heaven churches is where we get our deliverer who brings our deliverance from heaven is where we get every single thing that we need. The things that matter and the things that we need cannot be found here on earth. God gives us a way up when we have fallen down. God gives us direction when we are lost. God mends our hearts, and, and God alone is the one who mends hearts when they are broken. God gives us strength when Lord knows we are weak in ourselves. God makes a way where there seems to be no way. God is the one who protects. God is the one who provides. God is the one who sustains. God is the one who blesses. The psalmist would utter the word, shall I lift up my eyes to these hills? Where really does my help come? And he would conclude as he asked this statement, he would say, my help comes from the Lord. For he is the maker of, of heaven and earth. I, I don't look to things on this earth for my protection. I don't look to people on this earth for my help. My help, he said, comes from God. If only we would recognize more and more that while, yes, it's good for us to find a space amongst our fellow human beings, really our help, really our protection, really our sustenance, everything that we need, church, 
comes from God. Oftentimes we stray because we look to people for that love. We look to people for that instruction. We look to people for these things that only really God is the one that could offer to each and every single one of us. So a lot of people, when they become brokenhearted, they run to the bottle or they run to various vices. And, and what I'm trying to get us to understand is that nothing on this earth could really fill the void that sometimes things that are taken away leaves in our lives. Have you ever lost a loved one? So you know the void that I speak about. Any here, anybody here ever lost a, a grandma or a grandpa? Anybody here ever lost a, a mom or a dad? Anybody here ever lost a brother or a sister? Anybody here ever lost a, a good friend? Anybody here ever lost somebody? Well, you know of the void that I speak. But the one who could really fill that void is God and God alone. I'm going to take my time with this if you don't mind. So Peter wants to give some understanding about life here so that the brethren that he is writing to could truly experience life there. In other words, we as human beings have to learn how to live life here so that we could have the benefit of experiencing life there. Do, do, do I have a church in here this morning? We, we, we need to learn how to live life here first. And there is a proper way, if you didn't know, to live life as a Christian. We need to learn how to live life here so we can enjoy life there. So likewise today, the Spirit wants us to understand, even through the Apostle. The Apostle Peter still lives today through the words of scripture and he wants us to be able to learn some things about living life and what life is really all about. So there are three things I want to share with us this morning concerning life that God has indicated to us through scripture that we need to know, understand, and appreciate if we are to live life to its fullest. Number one, I want us to appreciate as we think about life, that life is sacred. Could you repeat that? Life is sacred. From the very beginning of time, when we encounter Cain and Abel, something is very unsettling in the tragic events of the lives of these two brothers. Born to the same womb, nursed from the same bust, raised in the same household, lifted by the same hands, our hearts cringe to read of the affairs between these two siblings. And our bloods should boil, our blood should boil with contempt at the actions of Cain. To hear Cain utter the words after God asks of him, where is your brother? To hear Cain utter the words, am I my brother's keeper, that should unsettle us. To hear the words of God himself describe the despair of Abel's spilt blood 
as God says, the blood of your brother cries out from the very ground itself. There's something unsettling in this scenario between these two brothers as Cain would have killed his brother Abel. Later on, as, as God would, 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 would give the Israelites uh, the, the law, he would, he would go on to tell them within the confines of the Ten Commandment law, you must not commit murder. Now, there must be a distinction made because when we think about Scripture, even within the confines of, of the law, there is, there is space for, 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 for capital punishment. There is for, for if somebody were to take a life, there was provision even in the law where, where, where God would say that you know, certain individuals would be stoned or certain lives would need to be taken. So, so there is a distinction between killing and murder. And while I don't have too much time to belabor the point, the idea of murdering or, or murder is where someone would take an innocent life. And so oftentimes when you, you encounter the situation with Cain and Abel, what makes it so hard for us to digest and so hard for us to think through and to rationalize is because here it is Cain would have taken the innocent life of not just somebody or anybody but his his very own flesh and blood. Don't you think if you had to rationalize it as a human being, it would be easier to take the life of somebody you don't know as opposed to the life of somebody that you do? But here it is, this brother decides he was going to kill his own brother. Stick with me. By the time we come to Jesus in the, in the book of Matthew chapter number 5, I want you to turn there really quickly because there is something I want you to note in this text. And in Matthew chapter 5, reading from verse number 21, notice what he says. You have heard it said to those of old, you shall not commit murder. And whosoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Whosoever says to his brother, Raka, that's empty, or in our local English, uh, modern English today, it would be the equivalent of calling somebody an idiot. <laughs> yes, whoever shall call his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council, but Whosoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Notice this. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar. Go your way first, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. So by the time Jesus comes on the scene, Jesus wants them to understand that when you think about the reality of being a murderer, it doesn't, it, it's not, it doesn't start and end with the physical act, but it actually starts in the mind. And so he talks about the, 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 the attribute of anger being in there. Later on, we will, we will reference the, the attribute of hate being in there. Jealousy, as in Cain's case, is, 
is where it started. So, so it, it didn't, murder isn't just the, the act of taking the innocent life, but it starts somewhere. And so Jesus wanted these individuals to understand you. You guys are looking at the act, but I need for you to understand that the act is only something that's deemed in the external sense, but you could also portray the act of murder without even killing somebody physically. So you don't have to take necessarily physically an innocent life for, for an individual to be They are right. To worship, except links in the worship that ought. Themselves. Or give is on and ships stops as the bus stops. So we've gone. is trying to And so forget. 
Sorry for John chapter 3 from verse the message love murder him if the world hits you my eldest sister me and my great Cut tonight.